Hello and welcome to the Swan Song Project podcast. My name is Ben Buddy Slack and I'm the founder of the Swan Song Project. We are a charity that helps people facing the end of their lives to write and record their own original songs. If you'd like to find out more about the charity, you can check out our website, which is swansongproject.co.uk. And you can also follow us on the various social media channels that will be tagged in this podcast. Uh, the podcast features songwriters and we have a chat about songwriting and bereavement. They share with us one of their songs. Uh, we talk a little bit about how they wrote that. They share with us a songwriting tip and they also share a song that's meaningful to them in some way related to bereavement. This episode features John Gom. I hope you enjoy it. Okay, today I'm here with John Gom. Thanks for joining me, John. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really looking forward to talking to you. Uh, so if you've seen or listened to these podcasts before, you know, we do them in three sections. First, we're going to have one of my guest songs. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how they wrote that. Then section two, John's going to share with us a songwriting tip. Might be useful for the songwriters. And then section three, we're going to talk about a song that's meaningful to John in some way relating to bereavement. So uh, I'll ask you to introduce your song for us, please, John. Okay, so this is my new single. It's called um, Cocoon. Um, it's uh, for my daughter. I wrote it for my daughter.
Okay, fantastic. So that was Cocoon by John Gong. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful and uh, really powerful song, John. I was wondering, I thought it was a, um, a parent to child song. Listen yeah. to it. Yeah, it's, um, I, I, don't, I don't know how direct that is or how obvious it is, but um, yeah, uh, for me, becoming a parent was very intense emotionally. I guess it is for everybody, but um, I just had to, I have my own issues that I then had to had to kind of deal with in a different way and confront in a different way. Um, so yeah, I wrote I wrote a song about it, but it's kind of about me. You know, I wrote it for my daughter. But I wrote it about being a parent. It's about my reaction to being a parent. So it's not really fair to say that's her song. <laughs> it's not <laughs> another one that's actually about her. Yeah. Um, yeah but how old's your daughter? She's now just turned four. Yeah, and it's funny. So when I first heard the song um, a couple of weeks ago, then um, then I, that's, I, that wasn't my immediate immediate impression of what it was about. But it was only recently having discussions with other people about about that issue of parenting. The because the line in it about um, if I teach uh, teaching are your fears. Yeah, um, and I just I've had a conversation just the other day with someone about parenting and like reflecting on what it was like for me growing up and my parents letting me take quite a lot of risks and how much I appreciate that now. But how hard that must be for a parent to let your child do things that are potentially dangerous, whether it's going to hurt themselves, but that they learn yeah. from that. For me, that's ex that's ex amplified because I have um, you know mental health issues of my own. So um, like my mum was really risk averse, mm -hmm. and and I I don't know I uh, I've always just basically struggled with anxiety since I was a kid. So when you have that. I actually have bipolar disorder as well. So it's like, um, I'm not very good at um, assessing risk. Well, no, I say I'm not very good. I don't know how to assess risk. Mm -hmm. So I can't really do it. 
Um, and sometimes I'll think there's no risk when there is some, and sometimes I'll think there's incorrect, there's, it's life-threatening when it's completely harmless. So it's really hard for me to do it. Um, so my instinct with have, being a parent is to completely cocoon, hence the title of the song, um, the, the child, because it's my responsibility to, I mean, your, fir your first job as a parent or a carer of any kind is to keep your charge alive. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And she's four, so <laughs> she's still here. Um, so, but that weighs very heavily upon you. And um, when, yeah, you're, you're trying, therefore, to, to protect them from, from harm and risk all the time, but then you're desperately worried about passing on your own fear and your own anxiety to your child. And it's really, really hard. And I think it's hard for any parent. And I think sometimes if you've got your own specific issues, and it's something that's interesting from a songwriting point of view, if you've got your own issues in life, and if it's a health thing, it's something that's pervasive and it's in your life all the time, then it's worth thinking about how that experience, which seems like it's unique to you, actually isn't. It's just an amplification of what everybody experiences all the time. So everybody experiences, you know, anxiety, for example, in the case of that song, everyone experiences worry and fear. If you experience that in an amplified way, then you can write about that and everybody will be able to understand it. It's not like it's unique to you. It's just that it's amplified for you. That's what people think artists are anyway. They, they think that anybody who's an artist is sensitive. In other words, they feel things stronger and more, more powerfully. In my case, I definitely do. <laughs> Well, I don't think that makes you a good or bad artist, but that's kind of, that's what you're kind of doing is trying to be a, like an amplifier for human experience, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think a lot of artists, um, that's what they're really good at is, is amplifying those everyday situations. But if you, if you don't need to amplify them in your own life already, it's, it takes, takes a step out for you, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. What was it like in terms of writing it? Did you, was it all stuff that you had been thinking about prior to writing it or had you, did you start the song and it kind of reveal things to yourself as you were writing it? I think in the case of that one, I probably thought about it a lot. And then there was probably a moment, there's a specific lyrics in the song, which are to do with, to do with swaddling. So it starts off the first line is um, wrap up her limbs so she can lie. Um, spinning silk around her and that's literally um, you know it's a description of a you know an insect cocooning, cocooning mm. itself or whatever but uh, when you've got a baby you do have to wrap it up and and there is a swaddling thing that some parents do where you actually wrap up the arms and legs to stop the baby from moving which we didn't actually do but it's a <laughs> the thing um, and uh, yeah so it's it's kind of li a literal description and I, I really like that um, sorry, I'm, I'm really conscious that we're talking about songwriting, so my mind is going onto that. But um, so uh, I'm, I really like the way that if you take a metaphor and cast it across an entire song. So in the case of that song, the metaphor is, you know, an insect in a cocoon is the is the metaphor for the entire song. Then you can write literally about that. You can write you know, about wrapping up limbs, swaddling. You can write something very, very literal. It's just a description of an action, but it takes on new meaning. Mm. It takes on a dual meaning. And um, uh, that's something that I think is satisfying and, and, yeah. and, and means that the words penetrate in a different way. I mean, that's what, 
you know poets and lyricists do all the time so it's i mean it's metaphor but people know what what metaphor is but um i think when when you actually apply it to an entire work maybe that's different to what people think of as metaphor sometimes when somebody's learning how to write songs or write words they think a metaphor is oh um the um uh, oh, i can't think of one now <laughs> it's really embarrassing um this uh you know the, the clouds were so dark that it, it felt like it was nighttime you know so that's a metaphor where you're saying oh it's, it's the daytime but it's dark so i'm going to say the, the clouds have made it seem like it's nighttime you know um so and then you continue writing about whatever you're writing about and that's what that's all a metaphor is it's a way mm. of just describing something in a fancy way for a moment and then you move on but it's not really it's a it's 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 a prism through which you can look at everything so you can say Oh, isn't isn't having a child a bit like you've got to have keep them in a cocoon, and then hopefully they burst out as a butterfly or whatever? But you don't just say that. You then actually think about having a parent and all aspects of having a parent, of being a parent, as if it's that. Mm. And that's how you write, and that's how you apply, you know, that idea. And then you kind of, after that, the song will kind of write itself in in a way because anything you write is instantly one layer one layer removed from your subject which makes it like people have to unravel it so yeah. i have one more thought to add i'm really terrible interviewee <laughs> yeah no it's great that's really interesting so one of the great what i love about particular kinds of lyrics and poetry is that there's some kind of writing which is very um literal so it's very clear and people just write about the thing they're writing about and i don't like that so much um but then there's the other kind of writing where it's so opaque that you've got no idea what it's about or if it's about anything. And sometimes I find that unsatisfying. Um, Tom York does that a lot. And I mm. love Tom York, but his words, they wash over you um, in their kind of meaninglessness. And I'm sure they mean something. And this is not true of all of his songs, obviously, but a lot of, a lot of his songs, they're beautiful words and it sounds beautiful and it kind of feels very beautiful to listen to. But if somebody said, what's that about? You would have no fucking idea what the song is actually about. And that's another way of writing lyrics. But the way that I like to do it is the middle. So everything is translucent. So it's not completely opaque and, and mysterious. And, you know, you're not Coleridge. You're not the poet Coleridge who wrote like, um, in Xanadu did Kublai Khan a stately pleasure dome decree. And it's like, wow wow, that's so powerful and mystical, but what the fuck is it about? <laughs> no idea. Or you're not like John Lennon writing Come Together. Uh, yeah. He went on shoeshine, he got toe jam football. You know, what? what is that? I've got no idea. Um, but also you're not um, uh, somebody writing something very literal where you're not, um, oh, what's my favorite one? I forgot what it's called. Is it called Email Love? So it's a Britney Spears song. And... Um, it's about falling in love via email and it's called email love and it's about <laughs> writing an email and saying, I love you in an email. So it's, it's, there's no layers. Yeah. <laughs> there's no layers. I can't remember what, what it's called exactly, but it's my favorite example <laughs> of the most incredibly literal song ever. Um, but I like to be somewhere in the middle where, okay, it's not immediately obvious what the song's about. It's not immediately obvious, but anybody probably can figure it out pretty quickly. So there's a little puzzle because it's the action of solving that puzzle, which is what 
enables the words to access somebody's emotions rather than just be either I don't understand at all or it's really obvious and it's just some words that I've heard this way the action of like just it's like I think it's like the reason that we wrap birthday presents mm. or Christmas presents it's the, just the action of unwrapping it is the difference between it being a purchase an object or a gift you know it's like the yeah action. I think that's the you know I just want to create that translucency so somebody has to unwrap it yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Okay, okay. I always thought of it like I like I like songs that give you more the more you listen to them. You know, like the, like those really literal examples. Some that's like you listen to that and you're like, all right, I understand that. And yeah. I think of it in two levels. Like you know, there's the music level. So like some songs, you get more musically out of them every time you listen to them. Like more complex to figure out what they're doing or things like that. And sometimes like right, they use these chords. This is what the song's about. I feel like I understand that song now <laughs> and other songs where yeah, you like say you take more listens to it and you're like, I wonder if that's what this is about or they can throw you in different directions. Um, and I think, I think sometimes like different artists, like some artists are quite mysterious in what they're writing about, but you know that there's something that, you know, if, if you listen to a lot of them, you know, like this song, I, I can't, I'm not sure what it's about now, but I know that, I know they know what it's about. I know it's not yeah, just yeah. random words. <laughs> so it's going to be worth my time <laughs> to figure oh. out what it's about. Yeah. Or to figure out what it means the to me now. Writers do both at once. The greatest writers do both at once. So they write about yeah. something in a really literal way, but it's it's absolutely filled with kind of semi-hidden meaning, you know. And it's uh, it's that that's that's an incredible le level of writing. Which, to be honest, I don't think you can explain how to do that. But <laughs> I can't. <laughs> yeah. I've managed it. I'm very I'm very lucky, but I'm not aware of it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's, there's a level that you know some people can do 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 everything at the same time but yeah yeah and when you were talking about metaphor as well there's something what um yeah so i'm a huge fan of metaphor as well and like you said those kind of using a metaphor for a whole song and the different directions you go in there um and i haven't heard it described but someone described it as when you're writing that way you're writing in the key of whatever the metaphor is oh, and then cool. which i really like describing it that way so you actually play the musical key you play in that key so those notes will work with that key but if you're writing like so if you're writing in the key of cocoons <laughs> then yeah, anything exactly. to do with cocoons yeah, really works. Nice. I like it, yeah yeah and i found like when i've done it before it's, it's i enjoy then researching a subject if i'm writing so if i was writing a song about cocoons I'm like right well what what's the about cocoons then you find out all that language about swaddling and like oh yeah that's interesting i probably i don't know if i've ever if i've ever done that where i've actually gone and researched the topic it'd be things that i would know about already and have an interest mm. in already <laughs> So I'm always interested in nature and science. So those tend to be metaphors that I use for things. Yeah. So yeah, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever done that and actually gone and done the research, but I would quite like to now. It's quite fun. I, remember doing, I wrote a song called Rust years ago and it was a trust you like Rust. So it was like yeah, you're trusting someone to ruin something basically over time. But then I thought like, oh, I thought, well, what do I actually know about Rust? So I, was, I remember spending ages reading up about Rust and all the different <laughs> things about it. And it was really that's good fun. Fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> but no actually i would quite like to <laughs> yeah yeah interesting subject i was just kind of like that's an interesting phrase i wonder how that would fit into a song yeah it's like we you, you will come up with interesting yeah phrases yeah, yeah. definitely and words like i've just thought of, I've, as you said that i was thinking you know there's, there's things that don't rust like state that are called stainless and stainless yeah. is <laughs> suddenly like stainless that's such an interesting way of describing something you'd said like rust is like aging like something that decays over time it breaks down over time and then if something is unable to do that or or is pr somehow like super powered protected from do that we call it stainless steel it's stainless mm -hmm. which is like a horrible word in some ways but actually <laughs> you know it's also beautiful the idea of something being state pure and 
unsullyable by time, you know. Yeah, Rust. Oh, hey, yeah, I can I can totally <laughs> see that now. Yeah, yeah. I want to write a song about Rust. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good topic. I'd recommend it. <laughs> um, I want to comment on your obviously, John. You have a, a very distinctive, uh, impressive guitar playing style. Okay, yeah, I do. Um, so I was going to ask you a bit about that. Of like, I was wondering how you how you got into that kind of style of play and how it's developed over time and how you how that works in your writing process. Okay, um, so um, so I do lots of crazy stuff on the guitar. So um, if I'm uh, so often, I'll tune the guitar weird to start with. Um, so right now, I'm in I'm in Dadgad, which is uh, never always a never a great tuning, but um, for me, I do use it sometimes. But um, so being in an open tuning like that, it ch change, changes the way that you can use your guitar. So you can use a lot more open strings and stuff. Um, so you're not so much thinking about chords that you have to hold um, because the guitar on its own kind of sounds pretty. So often you can just add things underneath. So for example, in this tuning, I could play uh, So my chord, I can just play with one finger really. Would technically be like E minor, I think, and then that would be like some kind of A, and some kind of G chord. So they're not like radical chords. And then because I'm doing that, the, I, I, my hand is a lot more free to do different things. So then I'll do things like drumming on the guitar. Um, so uh, So I can get drum beats and stuff. So I've got bass lines and different sounds coming out of the guitar. So it sounds a lot more full and a lot more um, like there's different timbres, different pitches and different textures. So it's way more full to me than just strumming or finger picking a chord. And it's not harder. I mean, it's it's harder to learn, I guess, it's something new you've got to learn. But like, you can see what I was playing there was all with one finger on, on one hand. So if somebody's thinking oh I'm never gonna be able to do that kind of technique actually it's not it's not that hard and um, it's definitely a learning curve at first but then after a while it's, it's not that tricky and um, if you're the kind of guitar player where you find the fiddly bits really hard your fingers aren't really the most nimble then actually this kind of playing might be for you because a lot of it is quite physical and not so fiddly um, I guess I got into it um, through, well, I'm, for everything I've just said about not not being into fiddly guitar playing, I, I am. So I'm, I've always been really schooled and wanted to learn lots of complex technique and stuff on guitar. Um, so I've, uh, every time I've heard like a new technique, I've always wanted to steal it and incorporate it into my playing. So in terms of in the song Cocoon the, uh, that we just saw, there's um, tuning tricks. There's all these fun tuning tricks that you can do. So that's like banjo technique. Um, the first guitarist that I saw do that is uh, a guy called Adrian Legg, who um, does so much retuning stuff on his guitar. Um, so I incorporated that. And then the percussion stuff that I do, 
Um, the first guy that I ever heard do that was a blues guitarist called uh, Bob Brosman back in the day. But um, yeah, so uh, there's many kind of modern guitarists as well. So there was one particular guitarist called Michael Hedges, who everybody should listen to at least once. Um, and he has an album called Aerial Boundaries, which is probably uh, the one that people class as the seminal album. And it's, maybe, it's probably my favorite, I don't know. But he um, uses lots of different tunings for every song and um, uses incredible uh, techniques. And his were really complex techniques. Um, and some percussion and tapping and things on, on acoustic guitar. And he really revolutionized the acoustic guitar so I've stolen a lot of his techniques, the ones I can do. And um, yeah, in terms of writing, what, the way that I always approach it is I write as much of the song as possible away from the guitar okay. um, before I then pick up the guitar. And I always recommend that people do that. The reason I do it is because um, I do all the flashy guitar playing stuff. If I started with that, then I'm, I worry that my pieces would sound like exercises or mm. like flashy guitar demonstrations, which I don't want. Um, so I, I generally will write the song first and then bring it to the guitar. And then I can do whatever I want on the guitar mm. and get away with it really, I hope. So, but I would always recommend that people try to do that, try to write as much as they can away from the guitar. and. I don't tend to write down musical notation or anything. I do that very occasionally, but I record a lot. So I have like hundreds of little, little videos on my phone. And most of my songs will start with lyrics and I'll have a few melodies knocking about that I might want to use. Um, but mostly they'll start with lyrics and then, you know, then I'll think about melody then I, before I pick up the guitar, I'll think about what I want the overall kind of sound to be. Um, and a good way to think of that is in, is in genres for me. So I'll, if I've got a song written, I'll then think, like, what genre of music do I want this to be? That sounds pretty weird to do that. It's like, okay, am I going to suddenly, you know, be like a country guy or, you know, a metal guy or whatever. But you can do that. Um, for any kind of style of music that you like, but you could even just think of an artist and I do that sometimes It's like who who would I love to hear playing this song? Mm. Now I've written it, you know I would love to hear Jeff Buckley playing this song, you know, and you can aim as high as you want, you know yeah. Je Jeff Buckley great, you know, I, I'm probably not gonna get there, but I can I can aim for that So then when I pick up the guitar and I can start to think about it Like how am I gonna arrange this on the guitar? So arranging music, for people who don't know, is different to composition. It's when basically the melody is already written and the words, if, they're already, already if there are some words, are already written. And there may be other, other things, but basically if you've got words and a melody, that's kind of it. That's, that's your main bulk of your writing. And then the arrangement is, um, okay, so what's the music going to sound like that goes with this? So in the case of me as a solo guitarist, I'm thinking, what am I going to play on the guitar while I sing this song? And that's a really good way of approaching writing, which is very different to um, the way that most people write songs on the guitar, which is like, okay, I'm just going to play some chords and sing 
along with those and see what comes out. Um, and there's two problems with that, which is one, you're going to not have anything that exciting going on on the guitar, and two, um, what you've written in terms of a melody is being guided by what you play, mm -hmm. um, so you're not actually composing it freely with your imagination. So, anyway, that's the answer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's really interesting. <laughs> All my answers are long. You can just edit them down. <laughs> yeah, no, that's really interesting, John. Really good. Yeah, I really like the uh, that way of doing it and. Yeah, it must be interesting having like, I feel like you've got a pretty deep trick bag for things you can do when you're doing that arrangement then. And I like that thinking of it in those different terms. If you've written the song as a song, what could be played in any style, like, well, in any kind of like guitar accompaniment or whatever, and then oh, yeah. you're arranging it with, with your particular bag of tricks that involves uh -huh. these different things. Uh, yeah, it's yeah. good. It frees you up though. So, sometimes you might think all my songs are just C, G and D, and E minor and A minor or whatever. Um, but it, it frees you up away from that because you can just write a riff or a bass line that mm -hmm. goes with your song and then learn how to play the riff with the song. You don't have to be doing fancy, crazy guitar playing, um, but it, it's the difference between a song that's got like a hook on the guitar that's got something really interesting musically on the guitar. Um, and the ho hooks are really important because if you've got something that's repeating on the guitar, then it provides like a... There's, there's different levels of consciousness that live, listen to music. And there's one that's underneath that just wants to be walking along or dancing along or whatever, while your brain is, is engaged with the lyrics or the melody or the, or the singer or whatever. But underneath, your brain wants to be just guided along with momentum. And the riff gives you that way more than chords do. Mm. So I really recommend people having to go at writing little riffs and chords and little melodies that they play on the guitar while they're singing rather than just strumming or you know yeah yeah that's great john yeah thank you very much um let's move to section two now shall we this is where i ask my guests for a um a songwriting tip and we've had oh, plenty of tips so many so yeah what would your tip be for us john well I've been so specific with lots of other stuff. I can, I can be vague now. So, yeah, so I always tell people as musicians to be yourself, which sounds very vague, but um, it's really important that you do that, that you remain authentic to your own personality and your own values and your own uh, just way of being. And the more you do it, I think the more interesting your, your music will be. So, for example, um, if you are uh, somebody who doesn't like to perform in front of other people and you're worried about playing your songs in front of other people, one of the key worries people have is, is worrying about appearing shy and worrying about appearing um, like they're, they're not confident. But it's like, don't, if you're not confident, don't be confident, be, be nervous and shy. And as soon as you show that nervousness, and shyness to other people it'll feel way way easier because you know they're not going to they're going to empathize with you not through choice you know they might not want to feel nervous themselves but they will and you'll make them feel nervous but that's not a bad thing because as you play and as you start to perform that nervousness will go away at least for your audience and it might then go away for you as well but it'll at least go away for the audience and they'll have a positive emotional experience from your performance as soon as they realize the spotlight's not on them, then it'll, it goes away for them, you know, 
but that, I love that moment when you get on stage, when I get on stage, people might not all get on an actual stage, but I get on stage and um, there's a tension. And I, I love that moment. I also hate it, it's scary, but that fear and that fear filling the room, that tension, that n anticipation, I absolutely love it because as it dissipates, when people, well, as soon as you start to play, it's like a warm blanket being thrown over the whole room. Sometimes mm -hmm. it lands on me as well. It depends what mood I'm in and that's great. So yeah, just, just being yourself is vitally important and you'll be original straight away because people think being original is being novel, doing something mm -hmm. new, but it isn't really. Originality is being unique and everybody is unique, but not everybody's music is unique. And that's because they haven't found the essence of themselves inside it and I'm still trying to do that it's not like I've done that but the more you can be yourself and figure out exactly what you have to say or need to say it'll be different from anything anybody else has ever said and that's what originality is so yeah I think it's great advice John I think it's um it's something that comes up a lot when I in some of the work that I've done when I've been writing songs people say oh what's this song what can it be about or like if we're writing a rock song oh that means it has to be about this or it has to end like it, you know, it, people think that there's there's guidelines and I mean there is guidelines yeah. if you want to follow them but you can write you can write a rock song about anything you can write a rock song that's mixed with this song you can yeah and please know. do and please do please don't write about those obvious stereotype things yeah that you, that you think a rock song is going to be about because a lot of people do do that and there's there's enough of them in the world <laughs> we don't need any more <laughs> yeah yeah and I think um, you're right in acknowledging that it's not an easy thing either. Like it's because it's that kind of advice from to be themselves and people think, oh, right, I should just, I should just be able to be myself. But no, it's, so it's, it's, there's a, I've actually read a book recently, which was called Becoming Myself. It was a psychologist's memoir. But I thought that was an interesting title of Becoming Myself and um, that you take, take, takes time to realize what it is you're interested in, what you're motivated by, how you express yourself on stage, what kind of musical influences you like to take. And yeah. I also I read a book about Elena Cohen biography recently. I think it was around I'm Your Man uh, when that came out, the album. And someone said it feels like Leonard Cohen has really become Leonard Cohen now. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, and I think they kind of meant it by like it kind of, there'd been hints of certain things. I mean, obviously he had many great albums before that as well, but like hints of what fit, but like it was really him. And that was where they all kind of came together um, in an album. But uh, you know, it's a long journey for, for everyone. I bet he didn't feel like that. I bet Probably he did. Not, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. It's a really good tip. Um, so let's move into section three now, shall we? This is where I ask my guests to share with us a, a song that's meaningful to them in some way relating to bereavement. And what I do here is I'll put the link in the description. Uh, so if you're watching or listening to this at home, you have to go check out the song. You can follow that link, come back. We're going to have a little bit of chat about it. So uh, what song did you choose for us, John? Yeah. So there's a song um, by a band called White Moth Black Butterfly. Um, which is called Tempest. And you know what? I don't know what the song was written about. Um, I think it might be about the ending of a relationship. I'm not totally sure. Um, but it came into my life at a particular time when, um, so my stepdad had recently died and um, after battle with cancer. And um, it's, um, the, the guy who wrote the song sent it to me to ask me to come up with an arrangement for it, which I have since uh, done. Um, he's called Dan Tompkins, and he's uh, most famous for being the singer in a metal band called Tesseract, but it's not a metal tune. And yeah, um, the song 
is kind of angry with its subject and it's funny i think that's a thing with uh with bereavement uh, sometimes maybe it's just been my circumstances all my life but sometimes you could there is like anger with the person who's died because um it can be for any reason it could be the circumstances it could be they, they could be somehow you know have some responsibility in what happened or they could uh they could just be things that were unsaid that you wish had been said um it could be by either them or by you and that's what the song kind of seems to deal with for me so it's like saying goodbye it's about wishing that i mean you know i'm an atheist i don't believe in like a a life after death in any kind of heaven way um so it's a strange thing to say but there's there's an element of the song it's like i wish that i could go with you and you know kind of look look after you and you know be there with you but then in the end then i think that's probably why the song resonates you're not you're alone in it so in what you experience in terms of grief it, that's you know that's uh it's something which is quite isolating and the song really captures that unfortunately it's not it's not one of those songs which is kind of gonna make you feel better except in that it, it you'll feel empathized with perhaps but it's not like it's not a positive song with a happy ending <laughs> you know it's you know what i mean it's it's not it's not about getting over something really it's more about the experience of going through it for me but it's um yeah it's a really beautiful song anyway yeah it's really beautiful really powerful and um i think you're right there are those songs a lot of time people want the songs that kind of like you know it's going to be all right and this is fine but a lot of time when you're in difficult situations like that you don't you don't want that you don't want a song what's like because if, if if you're not anywhere near that then hearing a song that says oh yeah it's gonna be all right then you're like it's not so you kind of want like, someone i'm somebody who's been permanently like you know going through different mental health stuff since i was a kid and the number of times people have told me to cheer up just mm. complete strangers in the street have told me to cheer up do you know what i mean yeah and as if that ever helps <laughs> it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't help yeah yeah and i think because um, you know, lots of music people think of it as miserable music. It's actually like, so that's again, Leonard Cohen gets that a lot of people think a lot of his music is very miserable. But a lot of the time, it's like when you're in this, I mean, I have, I have bad depression episodes myself. And when I'm in that state, like, some people say, listen to some happy music, it'll cheer you up. And sometimes it does, but most of the time, I want to listen to something like, like a really dark Leonard Cohen album or something like where it feels like, yeah, you don't feel as alone because you feel like someone else understands your situation and someone else has been through it and made something beautiful out of it. That's what I think always gets me. It's like this person understands where I'm at now, but they've clearly got through it and have done something beautiful out of it and given that as a gift to other people. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's um, it's really tough. I mean, I've had musician friends who've died and then you're left with their music. And um, I've actually re recorded a song recently by a friend of mine who, uh, who died two years ago. And there's it's everything that you hear by them then takes on this entirely new meaning and it's really you know <laughs> music's very very strange it's it communicates in, in ways that are so personal and uh 
you know, just so dependent on your relationship with like, it can be dependent on your relationship with the musician. Even if you don't know them, it's like you, you, you can build up like a personality of them in, in your mind. You know, that's why people get so upset that, you know, Morrissey seems to be like a bit of a racist now and we're still listening to his music and it's like, it's really hard to, it shouldn't be rationally. It shouldn't make any difference. He's not the same person now that he was when he wrote, you know, Smith's songs and he was singing those songs, but people get so upset by it. And it's like, it's really you, the, the bond that you form with somebody who's singing, even if you don't know them and even if you never see them again, it could be a busker in the street. If you stand and actually watch them sing the bond that you form with them, you form an opinion about their personality, which might be a stronger opinion than you have about somebody that you've known for years. There's something about singing and playing music. And uh, yeah, it lends it an enormous, enormous power to affect you, you know. I think that really ties to your point before about being yourself. I think when artists do that and they, they to really express themselves, that's what really creates that deep bond um, with them. And a lot of the time it's, you know, songs kind of like, you know, when you go back and listen to them more, when you know something more about someone, like you can see more hints of it, if that makes sense, you know, like, and I think that's where if someone's writing songs for a particular purpose, what they think something should be, you can kind of spot that a lot of the time as well. Well, that's the trying to write a song that's like this one. But when someone's being themselves and writing something, even if it's, and it kind of links to what we're talking about at the start, if the song's kind of vague, maybe then sometimes you find something else out about them and you're like, oh, that's probably what that meant about. Yeah. Like, with, like with mental health stuff, sometimes you hear you know, that songs and all of a sudden you find out that they've actually been suffering with mental health problems for a long time. Then you, you listen to the previous songs, you're like, oh, that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah. You kind of understand why that, that's the kind of thing we're talking about. Absolutely, yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's an amazing, amazing thing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, well, um, there was something else I was going to ask you, I'm sure, but I can't remember what it was now. Oh, yeah, you, the arrangement for that song. Um, is that something that's released? Or for the... No, it'll be on my, it'll, um, so, uh, it'll be on my album, which is out on October the 16th. October the 16th. album coming out um, called The Faintest Idea. And, uh, yeah, it'll be out then. Um, so, yeah, my arrangement of Tempest will be on there. Um, so... Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I certainly, it's the first time, I, to be honest, I, it's, it's something that people have said to me about my songs that it's helped them through a particular thing that happened. But I've never had that experience before. I don't know why. I've had music help me in general, but I've not ever associated a particular song with a particular event in my life. I've just never done it until like a few years ago, my stepdad died. I think it's because the guy sent me the song and asked me to work on it. So I got inside it in a way that mm. I couldn't help doing. And um, yeah, I really, everything then became about, the song then became about what was happening in my life in a way that I've, I've never, I've never, I don't know if I've never allowed a song or never forced a song to do that before. So yeah, it's, um, yeah. It, and it was good. It was beneficial. I don't know why I've not done that before. Yeah. <laughs> oh no. It's interesting, isn't it? And then it's like once once that bond's formed with a song, how long it lasts for sometimes. Like it might be that you hear that song again in ten years, and it just yeah, you know, it's always kind of resonates with a particular experience for you. Well, for I just... me, I, when I write songs, it's always like that. So every time I write a song, it's about something that's probably quite particular to a, even if it's not an, a, 
an exact event. It'll be a, to a, t a time and, an, and a, something that's going on. Um, so all my songs take me back there, which means that when I do gigs, it can be really hard, really, really hard. Yeah. But, you know, I've had experiences where um, actually when my stepdad was battling with cancer and then I was on stage in, in Germany and that something else had happened with my, with my, my best friend um, and there was another thing had happened as well. So there's various kind of awful things going on in my life. And I was on stage and I was a complete wreck. I absolutely just... I didn't think I could play us properly. I, I was, it was awful. And the experience was awful. I was so anxious and so de depressed on stage. And it's the single, I think I've never known an audience. I mean, I get emotional responses from audiences, but this was the biggest ever. It was mm -hmm. unbelievable. And um, honestly, I came away from that, like not really knowing I, it's, it's, it's over time. I've now realized that, okay, just, you can just let things out. It doesn't matter. You don't need to be worried about, you know, like I said before about being shy or being down or sad people, people kind of want that. Actually at the time I came away from it kind of, kind of angry. Like, it's like, what, the, what is this? You know, people want blood, you know, people, it's like the Christ, Christians and the lions, you know, the Romans just want to watch somebody ripped apart by a lion. You know, is that what it is? Is that what performing music is? People want to see somebody in real pain. You know, it's <laughs> don't want to do that. But I don't think it is quite that. <laughs> it's not quite like that. That's what I came away from it thinking at the time. But um, yeah, over time, I think I've just realized that people just want to be able to empathize and see their own pain written in something else. And yeah, anyway. It's, it's always something I always think with like, I want to see what feels like a unique performance. Like it's like, it's, it's not just a, the artist does this every night. It's exactly the same every night. Oh, yeah. It's like they've shown up tonight. Yeah, if they're, they're not feeling so good or they're feeling particularly, you know, in a different mood. And then they're the things that are like, when you, when you talk about a gig, like, remember that gig when we saw so-and-so and they were, oh, they were like this. And uh, it's just, that they will make it feel like this is a unique night I'm seeing now. This isn't just the same as watching the DVD of the performance they do every night. This is the, the artist is here live now with us now. And, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I don't go to stadium type gigs uh, or big arena gigs. I just don't go to them. Yeah. I've no interest in going to them. And it's just because the place is so big. You can't have that experience. You can't possibly. And, um, and also musicians not having that experience. They're mm. not. I've sat um, for years. I knew the general manager at the MEN arena in Manchester. And I used to get basically front two or three row seats to, to to gigs and i've seen artists perform so they're playing to a hundred thousand people but i'm you know, like 10 feet away from them and they don't perform the way that you would perform to a small room mm. nothing like that there that emotional connection isn't there in the same way because they can only connect with the, the people on mass and it, i'm not saying they're going through the motions but it isn't it isn't the same yeah yeah anyway yeah yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, well, thanks a lot for your time, John. I really appreciate yeah, it. Really nice talking to you. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks. It's yeah. been great. Uh, yeah, I've and come I'll... away with things to think about myself as well. So, <laughs> oh, that's always good. And yeah, I'll uh, I'll tag your pages and website and stuff in the description so people can check out stuff if they're not already familiar with you. And uh, look forward to hearing your album when it comes out. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. Brilliant. Thanks a lot, John. And uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. I'll be back with another episode soon. <laughs>